and welcome to another episode of the Media Boat Podcast, your weekly one-stop talk for movies, TV, music, and video games. Uh, my name is Mike. His name is Matt. My name is Matt. His name is Mike. Thank you for joining us. Uh, it is remote today because it has been a stormy, stormy few days uh, here in the Los Angeles metropolitan area. Um, uh, blizzard warnings out there for some people. Yeah, so, you know, we're staying safe, staying off the roads, and um, podcasting to you on February the 25th, 2023. This is episode si- 300... Come on, you can do it. 73? Yes. 73? Yep. Hey, nailed it. 373. Didn't have to think about that at all. Uh, thank you for joining us. Yep, like he said, the Media Podcast brings you all sorts of news and thoughts and things about media that we've absorbed over the course of the week, and we've absorbed some things. And as we always start regurgitating to you what we've absorbed, we always start in the music section. Uh, 372. Damn it. So close. <laughs> anyways. Hey, as, I'm always looking to the future. It's true. Anyways, yes. As you're saying, we always start with the music section. We yes. start the music section with the billboard. And we start the billboard with the Hot 100. Nice. And once again, Flowers by Miley Cyrus, your number one song. Yep. Coming in at two, Kill Bill by SZA. At three, Creepin' by Metro Boomin', <laughs> The Weeknd and 21 Savage. Uh, coming in new at number four, Boys a Liar, part two, mm-hmm. by Pink Panthers and Ice Spice. Mm-hmm. And rounding out your top five, Last mm-hmm. Night by Morgan Wallen. As for your Billboard 200, your albums chart, at number one, SOS by SZA. This is Why by Paramore. Uh, coming in at two, debuting at two. At three, Midnight's by Taylor Swift. At four, Dangerous, the double album by Morgan Wallen. And rounding out your top five, Umbrella Santi by Bad Bunny. Yeah, Bad Bunny coming back in the top five. Uh, Paramore. That's the Grammy bump, right? So I'll get that. I was going to note this because, yeah, so Paramore coming in at number two, debuting at number two. Not bad. I wished for that number one. They got the number one in the UK, but they couldn't quite uh, manage it here. Um, but, yeah, the interesting note here is we've been thinking that the Grammy bump would affect this. It didn't. Renaissance and uh, Harry Styles, nowhere to be seen on the top five. So neither of their big Grammy wins uh, bumped them like we thought they were going to. Uh, but uh, Bad Money is back up in the top five. Yeah, I think that's maybe more of a combination, more just like um, seasonal changes. <laughs> maybe like people are getting sick of the, the dreary winter stuff and they, you know, they want to pretend that the, the weather is getting better. Yes, because the weather outside is frightful. Yeah, depending people. on where you are, yes. Uh, but yeah, uh, but that's... Uh, you didn't like any of those albums, we yeah. have new releases. It's a handful. Starting with... Red Moon in Venus by Callie Uchis. Uchis. I believe Red Moon in Venus is technically Mars, but okay. <laughs> um, Ugly know. by Slow Tie. 
and Ignore Grief by <laughs> Shushu. You know, I'll work on that. I'll just ignore it. It'll go away. Yeah, you just shushu it away. <laughs> uh, as for it, let's get to the music news then, shall we? And speaking of the Grammy bump mm-hmm. um, and the Grammys, the Latin Recording Academy and region of Andalusia uh, have announced a new three-year sponsorship deal that will likely see the 2023 Latin Grammys moving to Spain in November. During a Wednesday press conference between the Board of Andalusia and the Latin Academy of Recording Arts and Sciences, Andalusia Board President uh, Juanma Moreno said the partnership includes the plans to host Latin Grammys and two major concerts hosted by the Academy in 2023 and another major concert in 2024 and the year after. Quote, we are considering Sevilla to celebrate the 24th annual Latin Grammy Awards this November, but we are still working through the logistics with our partners, Televisia Univision. (laughs) It's Univision. (laughs) Yeah, Mm, as we know it. Uh, Yes. Uh, We will share additional details about the date and location of the Latin Grammys soon. Um, so Latin Grammys going to Spain. Yeah, I thought this was interesting because I feel like this is evidence of the uh, international pull that Latin music has had over the last few years with, you know, spearheaded by artists like Bad Bunny. Um, it's bigger than it's ever been worldwide. And like, it's so much bigger now than the, the, there's just no reason to have it in the United States anymore. Like this makes sense. This move makes a whole lot of sense because that's not who they're catering to anymore. The U S audience is only a portion now of the global audience that would enjoy a Latin Grammys. I wouldn't be surprised if this is part of a, like an effect that actually blows up the Latin Grammys to become an even bigger stage than ever before. I feel like they've always been kind of like viewed as the little, the little sibling in comparison to the Grammys, I don't think that's going to be true anymore. Um, the trends are going its direction, and this is a good move. I mean, we have seen like Bad Bunny, for instance, top five all pretty much all of last year. Yes, majority of last year, the most streamed artist in the world. Like, mm-hmm. there's a reason that this is this is this is happening. Yeah, so you know, to expand on that, I mean, it would be nice if they were did act like the Grammys and did just get a a one spot to fulfill everything, <laughs> but um, doing the move, the movement of the major concerts, though, that I think is more key here. It's a neat move. Like get that muscle, big, big promotion muscle behind some huge concerts. Um, it's, it's a smart move. Uh, we'll see how it ends up, but like, yeah. Uh, sign of the times as Harry Styles would say. Styles would say. <laughs> <laughs> As he speaks into his uh, gramophone. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Do you think uh, he drinks out of that? Uh, he has to, right? <laughs> All right. Uh, let's get to our second news story then. Yeah. And let's go back in time because it's been almost 60 years since uh, first meeting. Um, yeah, since first meeting. Mm-hmm. It looks like the Rolling Stones and the two surviving Beatles 
may come together on a new Stones album. So wake up your, you know, your uh, uh, seventy-year-old uh, grand grandpa and tell him this, and he'll his brain will explode. He just won't believe it. Uh, yes, Variety is reporting from multiple sources that Paul McCartney has recorded bass parts for a forthcoming Rolling Stones project being helmed by 2021 Grammy Producer of the Year, <laughs> Andrew Watt. Ringo Starr is also slated to play on the yet-to-be-announced album. According to session, recording sessions, took place in Los Angeles in recent weeks, and while it's unclear which tracks will make the final cut, or whether McCarthy and Ringo would end up on the same song, the album's production is nearing the mixing phase. So frontman Mick Jagger said in a 20, said in 2021 that the group has, quote, a lot of tracks done. And uh, guitarist Keith Richards said in a New Year's Instagram post last month that, quote, there's some new music on its way. So we got some legends here collaborating on a um, record that few are anticipating it. <laughs> I mean, hey, what is this? A crossover episode? Uh, yeah, this is this is kind of a big deal if you're old. I guess is the answer to this. It's like a huge headline for people who are you know twice our age. Uh, because yeah, I'm sure there were people who thought this was never going to happen. Like God forbid the Rolling Stones record with Beatles. Like they're they're opposing factions. They're they're polar opposites. How how could this possibly it's because they're all old also, you know, the Rolling Stones, of course, you know, they have a they have a vacancy in the drummer spot, unfortunately. And so it would make sense uh for this to happen. Um they need help. And uh as everybody gets older, you know, it's cool to see them collaborate and make music together and kind of save that you know, like extra effort being made because, you know, none of these people are touring anymore except for, I guess, Paul. Uh, but, but yeah, like, um, it's an interesting, like, weird moment in rock history where we finally got there. How, like, over 50 years later, you know, like, and they're, like, recording together. I also wonder whose idea it was. It was like, hey, these guys have never recorded together. Let's try and make it happen. And what if it's, like, stitched yeah. together, kind of like a Photoshop? Yeah, audio yeah. works <laughs> yeah and they're like you know what and judging by the language in this story this could this maybe could be just a complete like nothing like maybe nobody will care because if you just hear a bass line in the background it's not like you're going to be immediately like pick up that's paul mccartney like maybe not like you may have to look at the the sleeve like to like see like oh i guess he did like oh he did this one oh, okay and then ringo started drumming in this one okay it's like maybe it won't matter in the long run but it's at least like an interesting like moment like that, that this has never happened before they've never collaborated like this not even on stage maybe on stage but not on a record and like i think that's why this is interesting uh but again interesting to people twice our age right <laughs> the boomers out there like i said it's gonna blow their minds as for the rest of us like oh neat you know legends playing with legends is pretty much what you could boil it down to I mean, yeah, it's almost what this story kind of comes off with. The, yeah. Hey, these guys actually never collaborated on anything, and they're going to do it now in their um, yeah. ye old age. Yeah, why not? Like, why not? What time is better than now? <laughs> what time is better than running out? Yeah, oh no. <laughs> Sad. Uh, anyway. All right. 
Anyways, um, you listened to an album. I did. I'll be uh, quick on this one. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of history with Gorillaz, uh, which, of course, is Damon Alburn's animated band that may or may not be real. That's really just him and guest musicians. Um, the Gorillaz, of course, have a pretty you know wide history. They've been around for about 20 years now. Um, I've never been quite a fan of them. Like, I get it. Like, I get when I hear a Gorilla song, you know, if I hear Clint Eastwood, I'm like, yeah, I get it. I get why people like this. But, like, in general, that's not necessarily been someone who seeks out their music. Uh, but I figured, you know, it's the one big release this week, so I'd give it a spin, and it's all right. That's my that's my basic feeling about it. It's all right. It's very similar to what they've done in general over the course of their career. Kind of a mix of genres, you know, like a little bit of R&B influence, a little rap influence, a little rock influence, and put that in a blender and put a bunch of guest artists involved. And that's basically a Gorillaz record. This is that. Um, you got Tame and Paula Guy who shows up for a song. Um, you have Beck who shows up for a song, even though you can barely tell it's him. Um, it's more or less, you know, pretty chill, uh, chill vibes here. Um, nothing shocking, nothing super surprising, very much in that Gorillaz wheelhouse. So if you're a fan, hey, more Gorillaz music. Um, never a bad thing. Uh, but if you're expecting something like, oh shit, this is my jam, there might not be that kind of track here. But hey, I could be wrong. Gorillaz fans, feel free to email us and tell me that I'm that I'm wrong and then this rules. Uh, I'm happy to hear it. Uh, but yeah, as somebody who is just like on the periphery of the Gorillaz, it's fine. It's all right. It's a good time. It was like a nice little vibe to put on behind work. All right. Uh, I did listen to something. But okay. we'll talk about that a bit later. Weird. Okay. Do you do you have gorillas feelings? Do you like the gorillas? Uh, I mean, high school it was kind of like <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. Uh, like I like Clint Eastwood. I like yeah, the feeling right, right, or right. feels good ink. Feel feel good ink. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but like really haven't um really kept up with them in years. Makes sense. They're still around. They're still doing it. Yeah, I mean, they are. Could be at Coachella. Right, so maybe you'll see some of these songs played so, live. Hence the new album. <laughs> yes, the new also album. live. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Right, let's get some video game news then, shall we? And we start shall. with new releases. Yeah. All right, so we have um, not Ratchet and Clank, but <laughs> Clive and Wrench <laughs> for the PS5, Switch, and PC. I didn't think of it like that, but you do when you say it like that. It does sound like it's a like a three dollar budget game version of Ratchet and Clank. I don't think that's what this is, but that would be funny. Well, because it'd be Clank and Ratchet, not Clive <laughs> and Wrench. <laughs> Anyways, I don't know what Clive and Wrench is. Uh, we also have Scars Above for everything but the Switch. <laughs> uh, Long colon fallen dynasty for everything but the switch mm -hmm. uh we then we have um pardon my french here void asterisk t to parentheses semicolon void terrarium two <laughs> for the ps4 and the switch yeah i guess the first part is it's like stylized title and then it yeah. translates for you <laughs> As Voyager Room 2. Yes. There's an L in there. 
<laughs> Maybe that's an I, not an L, but. oh, maybe. Because so the L and the I looks identical on Metacritics. I don't know why. And I've blown it up and it still looks the same. And I'm like, come on, guys, use a better font. So it's their font that fucks me up sometimes. Let me fix it. Anyways. Because <laughs> that would be terrarium, terrarium Yeah. too. There we go. I mean, it still Uh, but doesn't anyways, look. Wait, I didn't erase the L. yeah, it's fine. There Terrarium we go. too. It still doesn't look right, but whatever. Doesn't, doesn't look right. It looks like um, uh, kind of like glitchy out of it, Trim. which is probably the point. <laughs> yeah. Yes, probably. But anyways, everyone get out of the way because Destiny Two colon <laughs> Lightyear, I mean Lightfall, I mean, is arriving for everything not, but the Switch. not really get out of the way. I don't think it's that dramatic. This is yet another expansion to Destiny. This happens every couple of years now. If you're a Destiny head, then hey, get in on it. It's another 40 bucks to drop. If you're not, though, it's like, come on. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but I do still have like a weird itch in my back of my head of the logo for Lightfall Yeah. looking exactly like it does for Lightyear. It's weird, right? But Like hey. even with like with the um the the bar right in the middle of everything. Yeah. Wow, you know, it's like totally like stripped right Yeah. stripped it like straight from it too. Yeah, my my hang up with this has been my hang up with Destiny 2 the whole time. I've had my share of I'm going to jump in and get all in for a few months and then bail out again. And I think what's keeping me from doing that over and over again, as they want you to, whenever one of these, uh, whenever one of these drops, is just the cost. It's just forty dollars every couple of years. I'm just like, I just don't want to. I just don't feel like that. That's worth the money for the amount of time that I put in for Destiny Two, and the fact that it's basically the same grind once you finish the story content. Like, I just don't have time or desire to grind like that. What they should do, I think, is adopt a monthly model. Like, if somebody, if you were paying into Destiny and there was constantly more stuff that ha was happening, and it was worth a like a monthly kind of subscription, like Final Fantasy fourteen, then maybe that would make more sense. But the business model as it stands right now, just to me, is just I just not interested. Uh, but hey, like I said, those Destiny heads have been looking forward to this one. New powers, new missions, new stuff. So hey, cool. Good, good for you is what I will say. Uh, so, you want to hear a quick synopsis of Clive and Wrench? Okay, what is Clive and Wrench? <laughs> All right. So, it is a single player 3D platforming adventure where Clive, the rabbit, uh, takes off on the adventure with a literal monkey on his, on his back named Wrench. The adventure has you hurtling through time in a 1950s refrigerator on a heroic quest to thwart the tyrannical Dr. Dacus to stop his evil plans. I can't believe we were right. Yeah. <laughs> Insomniacs <laughs> better lawyer up. it's a platformer. <laughs> Wow, that's unbelievable. But also, 1950s refrigerator time machine? Yes, to fight Dr. Zayas. I mean, Dr. Dacus. Doctors, <laughs> no different, different franchise. This is why I don't <laughs> make video games, because I've come up with something like this. <laughs> we will talk more about refrigerators later. Let that be a warning to you.
Anyways. Anyways. Speaking of Ratchet and Clank, they are part of the Sony. Yes. Yes. And PlayStation had a surprise state of play. Not no. really a surprise. They announced it pre uh, pre show, but um. Well, yeah, no, I got like a a day warning for this. Yeah, so basically they gave us a heads up saying, "Hey, we're gonna show some VR stuff because VR two just launched, and we're gonna show some footage of Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League, but beyond that, don't like basically don't expect too much because they were like more adamant about like it being a small presentation, and yeah, that's more or less what they gave us. Yep. So they did give us a total of five. VR games for yeah. PlayStation VR 2. Yes. Including The Foglands, um, Hell Green. Green Hell? Sorry, Green Hell. <laughs> uh, Synapse, Journey to Foundation, and Before Your Eyes. All of those are coming to PlayStation VR later this year. Yeah. Um, I don't do VR though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are not your source for VR information. But um, out of the games, actually, the one that's not listed here, out of all the games I saw the press kind of glom onto from the show, mm-hmm. was Humanity. Uh, there's actually a demo up, um, so if you want to try it, if you have a VR too, you can test it out. But yeah, that a VR? yeah I believe that is a VR game. game. Um, uh, yes, it does say VR. Yes. Oh, but it is on this like list. Lemmings. I see it. Yeah, it yeah it's like a modern Lemmings thing. But I see a lot of people talking about that. So that seems to be the big hit so far. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's like uh, you're a little like light wolf uh, with the human Lemmings. Yeah. I want to say it's a, a metaphor of bridging them to the afterlife. Ah, uh, like <laughs> why they have no soul and like just go wherever. Yeah. And you yeah. have to guide them like a dog shepherding them. Interesting. At least that's what I got from the trailer. I may be completely <laughs> wrong on it, but also I may completely be completely right on it. <laughs> and we'll never know because we are not buying five hundred fifty dollars worth of VR machine. So no, but it is a PS regular, going to be a regular game. Though. Oh, it does both. Yeah, a PS five, PS four, VR and VR two game. Got it. Okay, neat. Um, anyway, well, but VR wasn't the only it, stuff. Yeah, well, humanity comes from Enhance people who did Tetris Effect. Yes, that's right. That's why. That's okay. why. That's why it looks so good. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Then they also they um, showed off uh, Destiny 2 colon Lightfall. Yeah, just more footage of that before launch. Yep. Uh, let's see here. Then we have um, Goodbye Volcano High. Mm-hmm. We had a little previously... bit more of a story trailer for this one as well. Yes, we had previously seen it showcased in the launch presentation, the PS5 launch video. So that's how long we've been waiting for this one. Uh, about three years now. They finally have a date for it, June 15th. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, yeah, they showed a lot of footage. They showed some of the gameplay for performance uh, when your band, your dinosaur band is playing on stage. You actually have a little bit of a rhythm game going along with it. That looks pretty cool. And uh, some of the decision-making uh, kind of gameplay. And man, that animation looks good. So they clarified, that's 2D. The reason why this game has taken so long, apparently, is that they are traditionally animating it. It is not a 3D game. Everybody who thought, saw the footage initially was like, okay, that's 3D imitating 2D, because we see so much of that. I mean, even yep. you know in this year's Hi-Fi Rush. But no, they made it a point to be like, no, 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 this is 2D animation. This, is, this game has been developed in development as long as it has because they are making an entire game's worth of 2D animation. Yeah, looking at you, uh, Cuphead. 
<laughs> right? I'm just, it looks incredible. I'm very excited. This this trailer, I think, locked it down where I am buying this day one. I'm very excited to play uh, Goodbye Volcano High. It looks really good. It comes out June 15th. Hell yes. Um, summer game. It's a summer game. <laughs> Done slow. Yeah, uh, see, we also had the Naruto Boruto Ultimate Ninja Storm Connections Collections. <laughs> the name is long. Yes. Well, it's the next Naruto Boruto game. Yeah. You know what you're getting into if you played any of the Ultimate Ninja games. Uh, I think so. Yeah, there's that. Yep. Um, it's going to span all of Naruto and into what is currently into Boruto. Uh, there's also Baldur's Gate 3. Yep. Uh, that's just coming in, in August. Yep. Uh, Wayfinder coming at the... Um, there's no date set for Wayfinder. Yes, that's the official name of the game. <laughs> Wayfinder. Wayfinder. And all of it seemed very generic adventure Yeah. Uh, I had nothing... Like I was like, oh, this looks cool. And then also, wait, you're just giving me very generic points here. And then you call it <laughs> Wayfinder. I'm like... yeah. You set a fantasy world, and the best thing you can come up with is Wayfinder, not like some made-up name. Hey, what you gonna do? Uh, find a better way. <laughs> um, that is actually gonna have a demo at the end of the month. I may check okay. out the demo, but then I, again, I may just be like, yeah, let's see how bad this game actually is. <laughs> uh, we have Street Fighter Six. Um, yeah. Showcasing Zangief, uh, Lily, and Cami. And Cammy, I really like Cammy's new outfit. It's like she looks really good. I think all the all the Street Fighter Six designs look good. I don't. I'm not a fighting game person, but I don't know, man. Like everything they've shown of Six looks really stellar. Like I've really the only franchise I've ever gotten into in the fighting realm has been Soul Calibur. So mm-hmm. going to a 2D fighter might be an adjustment for me, but like I might try it. It just looks so cool. All the footage looks so awesome. Uh, we also had Resident Evil 4, Resident Evil 4 Remake. Yes. Um, continuing the Resident Evil remakes on its yeah. way. I'm excited to try that out, um, especially after playing uh, Dead Space and getting kind of attuned to like, oh, modern horror game. I also played Resident Evil 4 back in the day uh, on the Wii, believe it or not. That was how I played it. I skipped the GameCube version. I played the Wii version with the motion controls. That's a cool-ass game. Uh, Resident Evil 4 is good. I don't know if you know this. Uh, no, so I'm, I do not. I don't play Resident Evil games. I'm very excited to see what they do with the remake. Um, this could be really awesome. And um, and then, like we said, they also did the uh, Suicide Squad colon Kill the Justice League. I'm still... Trailer that. Um, people are sour on this thing online. I still don't get it. Like, I don't... I don't know. It's just there's something seems to every time they show footage of this thing, I'm, I look at it. I'm like, it's not quite there for me. Like, there's something missing. And I don't know what it is. Every time I see um, any footage of it, I always find something new to be wrong with it. <laughs> this time, it's numbers. Numbers. Yes, because how can something have 500 percent damage of whatever <laughs> it is? Are you saying the Borderlands ruined games? Well, no, at least they say, like, hey, this is, like, how powerful it is, not percentage-wise. Get rid of the percent on it. That's weird. Um, You didn't mention it, but you mentioned it before before the show. You're excited about Yes, I am saving all that for yes right now, because they also announced the um, PlayStation Plus releases. Okay. 
Um, so for March, we get Battlefield 2042, Minecraft Dungeons, and Code Veen, or Vein, however you want to say it. Code Veen. <laughs> None of which I am looking forward to. No, but. But uh, PlayStation Extra members and PlayStation Premium members will be able to get day one release of Chachachia. Chachachia. Chachia. The adventure that puts you on the island. You run, you jump, you solve puzzles. It looks cute. It looks right up my alley. Cool. Reminds me of um, the fall. It's like Astrobot? Yeah. Kind of? No, um, not quite like Astrobot. A little bit like, kind of like in the same vein as art style of Tunic. Oh, okay. And um, whatever that box game was that came out last year. Tunic's a box game. Tunic's is Tunic is a fox game. No, there's a different one where you're a fox on an island. Maybe it was Tunic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But. Uh, no, um, a little bit of, uh, same ourselves like the following. <laughs> the witness. The witness. So cell shaded is what you're trying to say. Yeah, not, not as much cell shaded. Or like a Breath of the Wild kind of thing. A little bit, yeah. Okay, all right. Wild. Genshin Impact. Uh, not as heavy. Okay. Not as impactful. But yeah, though this is one that I'm excited for. I'm surprised that they're still that they still are committed to doing day one releases for PlayStation Extra. Yeah. Uh yeah. Cool. Um I'll be playing this one day one on March twenty first. Okay, March twenty first, so about a month from now. So look about forward to that. Yep. So overall show, yeah, like you said, it, I mean they gave us a heads up that it was gonna be smaller, but I could still feel like it was a little disappointing for fans. I mean, I, the online community is very meh to negative on the Suicide Squad game yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, and yes, they did say battle pass to upgrade cosmetics, change your weapons, over 5,000 variants of guns. That's just not, yeah. Like, to a boardroom that checks boxes, but to, some, like, somebody who just wants to play a cool game on their PlayStation 5, mm-hmm. it's probably like, how many times have I heard this in the last five years? Give me something new kind of vibe. Oh, but don't worry. New characters will be added soon. Oh, that's always what they say. That's always what they say. Well, yeah, because, you know, they are committed to making this a long-term yeah. uh, online game. Well, because they know things are going to change pretty soon, because this is the last EC game getting in before the James Gunn change. Mm-hmm. And as soon as that stuff happens, all of a sudden the DC games have to go with the universe. And so, like, it's going to be the last of its kind in a few ways. Uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see if it hits. And I still think that they, if they want to continue this line, um, make it the nightmare version of the Zack Snyder world. Mm-hmm. If it sells well, just do that. Give me that game of, even if it's terrible, at least it's out there. (laughs) At least there's a story in there. Yeah. It can go all sorts of ways. Anyway. Anyways. There's other stuff that happened. Yeah. Second story here. Yep. Second story um, involves Tango Gameworks. Yes. Shinji Mikami is leaving. So, True Achievements says it has seen and can verify an email sent to Zenimax employees by Bethesda Senior President 
Todd Bond, which confirms that Shinji Mikami is set to step down from the studio he founded. In the email, Todd Bond reportedly writes, quote, I am writing today to let you know that studio head uh, Shinji Mikami has decided to leave Tango Gameworks in the coming months. Mikami-san has been a creative leader and supportive mentor to young developers at Tango for 12 years through his work with the Evil Within franchise, Ghostwire Tokyo, and more recently, Hi-Fi Rush. Yeah, this is interesting because this, um, yeah, Hi-Fi Rush just launched, um, although he did not necessarily have a huge creative imprint on that game. Um, he was Tango Gameworks, like he was associated with that studio. There was like quotes from a couple of years ago saying like, if Shinji Mikami wasn't at the studio, the studio wouldn't exist. That's like how integral he was to the culture over there. However, something changed before that, and that's Microsoft money. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've had such an input of people supporting the studio like outside uh, a lot of a uh, lot of like financial help with stuff like the game pass deal for hi-fi rush that maybe they're in a place right now financially that they don't necessarily need that kind of leadership and maybe mikami wants to do something else i mean doing something else has been kind of his career i mean he was a capcom guy for a very very long time including of course resident evil 4 being one of his big uh big releases he was the resident evil guy for a while he was the devil may cry guy like he has quite a career but he's been jumping from thing to thing and um this is interesting that this happens right around the time where people are finally realizing how great tango is uh, and like how many games that they put out maybe ghostwire tokyo being the exception to that but like otherwise he's kind of left a very awesome footprint with that studio and through his career i'm really interested to see what he does next if anything maybe this is when he decides to take a break i don't know but uh regardless of what happens uh he definitely made a made his name um and what a career like so far so we'll see it is weird to see a head of a studio leaving shortly after putting out a game yeah usually that happens when a game underperforms but for all intents and purposes hi-fi rush was a success not just on game pass either that first week they said even steam sales were like super high for that game uh going to show you that game pass did not slow it down it was a hit it was definitely a hit yeah it just makes you wonder if there's some like internal uh, because ZeniMax Maybe. and has a lot of companies, and now it has Microsoft money. So yeah, yeah. Who knows? Honestly, yeah. it may just be yeah. You you might be looking at something bigger picture for Bethesda, um, and I don't know. It's a there's a lot of questions. Hopefully, we'll we'll get answers yeah. soon. Yes, All but right. uh, well, speaking of Game Pass, and speaking of answers, there's been a lot of questions on the internet of is Atomic Heart good or is it as bad as everyone is trying to make it out to be (laughs) all right atomic heart is a giant can of worms and there's a couple of different can of worms to open there's the game itself and there's the background and i want to talk briefly about the background um atomic heart is a game that is developed by a russian studio it is about a uh, it takes place in an alternate universe ussr a USSR that after the uh, the events of World War II did not disband over, you know, 20 years of Cold War and instead went into, like, basically the future in its own way. Uh, and basically they embraced science and created this science, like, 
a world where robots and humans collaborate and live together. That's basically Sorry, the premise. A government embracing science? What is this? I know. Weird. Fantasy? Um, so it's very Russian. It's Russian through and through, for better and for worse. And what I mean by that is a lot of people kind of dug up imagery and references within the game that seem to have, um, let's say, opinions about modern uh, Russian politics. Um, and, you know, there's some evidence. I don't, you know, go into specifics because I haven't seen this myself, but it seems like anecdotal evidence says there's some stuff about that maybe anti-Ukraine uh, propaganda buried in this game. Somebody found a cartoon from the Soviet era that was uh, deemed potentially racist. Um, although I do want to note, as of yesterday, the developer said that they will be taking that cartoon out. Um, but the vibe of this game, just know that the vibe of this game is really Russian. And that could rub people, especially given you know, world events over the last year, one year, exactly. Um, that could turn off a lot of people, rub a lot of people the wrong way and just not a vibe that they want to stay in. Additionally, there are some questions about certain leads at the studio that developed this game um, and their affiliations politically, uh, specifically their comments and involvement in certain areas of the internet that's very pro-Russia and kind of the dark side of that, let's put it that way. So there's a lot of baggage uh, that I want to bring up with Atomic Heart. Uh, so a lot of people will have political reasons not to want to even touch this thing with the uh, uh, like a 10-foot pole. But the good news is, is that if you're a Game Pass subscriber, you don't have to give them money directly. It is something that's already available. And the better news is that you only need to play this on Game Pass because I'm here to tell you, I do not believe Atomic Heart is a good game. I think it kind of sucks. So this means that Microsoft already paid for Atomic Heart yeah, so. to be on Game Pass. So if you have moral objections to it, there are ways to get around a little bit of that moral objection. But like I said, the better news is I'm telling you, don't play Atomic Heart because it's not good. So Atomic Heart, basically, like I said, that's the premise. Uh, you're in, you know, an alternate universe USSR, but of course, as you may have guessed, those robots have turned on society, and you have to fight them. Um, and the game is basically Russian Bioshock. It is built and structured like a Bioshock game. It is a shooter where you are shooting, but also you have melee combat, and also also you have powers that you can shoot out of your hand. It is a Bioshock. Um, I've only played a couple of hours of it, but from what I can tell, that is is very, like, hewing very close to uh, that kind of game design. It starts out pretty linearly, and there's a lot of puzzle solving to unlock doors. There's very much, like, scripted, and right now is when the robot comes out of the, like, the, 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 um, the uh, vent and tries to attack you, and you have to figure it out. There's like QTE style dodging. There's um, very a lot of heavy narrative coming out here. It starts with a lengthy cutscene showing you the world, basically. It's very Bioshock. Bioshock. So hey, if you've been it's been a while since you played a game like that and you want that kind of narrative first person adventure, go for it. But the thing is, is that only works if you're one playing a game that feels good to play, and two playing in a world that seems like fun and interesting and has a story that's interesting well neither it hit neither of those marks for me 
the game plays really squirrely it's this weird run that your character has where you start out with like a walk and then immediately bolt to a run and there's nothing really in between so even movement doesn't feel super well and also it's got that shaky cam kind of effect that i think will like get a lot of people motion sick um the melee combat doesn't feel great there's no real way to know how far away uh like the depth of it's got that Skyrim problem where it's like I'm hitting him. It looks like I should hit him, but it's not. I'm just quite like still kind of out of range with him. The game also tutorialized pretty badly. Things the tutorial goes very quickly, and you have to quickly absorb information. I didn't know I had a shotgun until like an hour and a half in, and I was wondering, man, this melee combat sucks. I wish I had a gun, and I kept going around being like, well, I thought I would have picked up a gun by now. I'm picking up ammo, but I don't have a gun. And then finally, I decided to just start p- pressing directions on the on the on the pad and pressing buttons. And I swapped to my shotgun finally, and I was like, "I had a shotgun this entire time. I died like three times on easy mode because I kept getting killed by robots, cheap shots. The first boss or like mini like boss encounter, I died twice because I was like, I cannot beat this guy with the axe that I have. Why can't I? Turns out, I could have been using the shotgun that entire time. So. Heads up about that. Also, they made the poor, poor decision to include platforming in this game. And I don't mean just jumping. I mean jumping in climbing mechanics. There are climbing mechanics in this first-person game. Think Uncharted. Think Horizon, where you are climbing, and if there's a nearby place, you kind of do the reach-out thing. But it's in first-person. So, like, I was trying to figure out, like, wait a minute, okay, so judging by my character doing this i can jump to this platform and i try and i fall i'm like wait okay so i I didn't like grab onto it i did it like three times in a row i'm like why does this feel so bad to do and why is it so hard like it shouldn't be this hard so many things just added up to me where like by the end of like hour two i was just like i don't think i want to play more atomic heart from what I gather, it doesn't get better much better from there. A lot of stuff I've read about it from people who played more of it says that there's a little bit of an open world that it tosses you into, which makes it a little bit less of a Bioshock, but it seems like there's not a whole lot to do there. And then on top of that, by apparently like hour three, you've seen all of the enemies in the game, and it just kind of just repeats itself several times. So gameplay-wise, it doesn't feel great to play. Um, it, it doesn't quite scratch that Bioshock itch for me. Then on the other side of it, it's just such a grating world and a weird vibe of an atmosphere uh, for this game. Like, I just did not like my spending time in that world. The dialogue is very snappy and very snarky, but in a bad way. Your character cannot stop talking. By the way, following Forspoken, it is the second game this year in which you are talking constantly to a thing on your hand. You are wearing a glove that talks back to you in a British accent. And you have a back and forth just like the cuff in Forspoken. It's wild. How did this happen twice in the same calendar year? Ugh, so so that's just, it's obnoxious. And he's constantly making like snarky, weird jokes. And then we get to the refrigerator. As I warned you, there's a refrigerator in this game. It does not time travel. However, it does, um, how do I put this? It does sexually assault you. That is something that this uh, refrigerator does. For some reason, there is a horny refrigerator that has a voice. It's a robot refrigerator. And as soon as you encounter it in this room, 
it unleashes several robot tendrils and tries to absorb you into it while making sexually suggestive comments about you. Not great. Not a great thing to endear me to your game, uh, for sure. I, I think it's supposed to be funny. I think that they're supposed to, you know, like it's supposed to be like, wow, isn't this funny? It doesn't come across as funny. It comes across as kind of gross. And yeah, just an awful vibe. Just awful vibes is what this game just feels like. It feels muddy, feels gross. Nothing like the game doesn't feel good to play. And I just didn't want to spend time in that world any more than I wanted to. And that's all on top of the, you know, shady stuff going on with its developer. So it just doesn't, it just seems like a clunker. Some of the world design is impressive and it does look good in spots, but even that's inconsistent. Some of the animation is just a little herky-jerky. Some of the texture work's not great. So even the thing that's reportedly is the thing about this game that it's supposed to like, oh, it's Unreal Engine 5, it looks great. Even that is inconsistent. And I, I've heard that that is largely because the Xbox versions look phoned in. If you're going to play it, play it on PS5, it sounds like, or PC, or a PC that can run it. Apparently that's a whole other situation that this game is going through right now but honestly it just doesn't seem it's worth it any investment at all so i say it's a giant skip that's why i didn't stream it on thursday i could have i chose not to because i was just like i don't want to play more of this game so that's my skip official media boat skip for Tom Carr. <laughs> so like if the world so blank like even the in bioshock you had rapture that yeah was such a like an interesting world to look yeah. at and explore yes. This is not that. Like, the only thing, like, potentially on paper, the idea of an alternate universe USSR, not a bad concept, maybe a poorly timed concept in 2023, but mm -hmm. not a terrible idea, but it doesn't execute on, on of it because it has that problem. And again, I'm going to reference that uh, piece that Austin Walker wrote about Forspoken. If your game does not take your lore seriously, then the audience won't either. And if the game is coming in swinging, being like, we're not taking anything seriously, we're going to snark the hell out of everything, we're going to be weirdly weird and off the cuff about every single like element of this game, then why would I care? Why would I think your world is interesting? Why would I think any of the lore, like, why would I read any of your terminals? Why would I care about any of the weird, um, like, proper nouns in your world? Like, oh, the terminals are called pairs. Oh, like there's like things that remember your like that make like learning languages in a second. Like, why would I care any about that? Why would I care any of it about that when the game itself doesn't care about it? Mm -hmm. So it fails even on the basic element of let's make this world interesting. I don't know. Uh, but even in like the more recent game uh High on Life, yeah, had a reason to make you understand every like alien languages and yeah, like made it a point of like, hey. This is going to be gross, but at least it's going to be a memorable moment, and <laughs> yeah. it's going to like help further the plot, not just, hello, you have this now. It did remind me, actually, playing it reminded me a bit of playing High on Life, so it's funny that you brought that up. Both are first-person first -person games. Shooter. Yeah, both are first-person games that feel like they're just a little off for some reason. They're just Something just didn't get tuned all the way, and so they feel really weird, but this is somehow worse. And so, yeah, I don't... Well, I think that's because with High on Life, it's expected to be weird. And right, yeah. This is like seems like it's. Tilted. This seems like you're, you know, gonna play it straight, but then it's written kind of like a comedy game, and I'm just like, what tone are they trying to strike here? Because it's all over the map, and none of it feels good. Like I said, it's just gross vibes, gross vibes game. Um, 
Just, yeah, I regret spending time with it, honestly. It's okay. At least you didn't regret spending money on it. You're true. That is true. So, yeah, don't bother with Atomic Heart. But next week, we will erase the bad vibes because we will have copies of Kirby. Um, So we will play Kirby next week. We will talk about it. And, yeah, hopefully, like, erase all of the the thing like gross feeling on my tongue after I atomic will art. actually try and do two player of that. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Uh sometime this week, maybe. Awesome. Looking forward to that. Any other games we want to talk about? Uh none that you want me to talk about. No, no no old games and no banned games. <laughs> yes. Honestly I probably shouldn't have even talked about Atomic Heart, but like I said, like I wanted to at least say before anybody went out and bought it because they saw a trailer that looked cool, don't do it. I feel I can't do that, unfortunately, with the game that we're not talking about, because it seems like, for all intents and purposes, people who have played it do like it. So that's why we can't talk about it. And I'll say, if you want me to hear me give me my unofficial thoughts... Twitch.tv slash media boat. Go check it out. one week on Twitch before yeah, it goes which, away. Yeah, go check it out if you want to know. But like I said, we're not giving that any air. Yeah. All right, let's move on then into the second half of the show, and we always start television the next segment with the sports corner and it's time everybody it is time 15 minutes exactly until game start hey spring training is here baseball is back it is time it is time for the cactus league and the grapefruit league delicious and for those who still care about it the world baseball classic yes Yes, all that and more coming this month. Um, but yeah, uh, this is notable for spring training. I just want to note that this will be the first um, of the new rules that we're going to see. So this is when we'll finally get to actually try out those new rules, the pitching timer, the bigger bases, etc. So that's what I'm especially... For the Mariners? Yeah, I'm especially interested uh, to see how this works out. This is a huge real. game clock right behind the, the umpire, just like counting down. You'll see a lot of those, I think um so yeah i'm excited to jump into that so yeah that starts um meanwhile moving on because there's not much really talk about that a game started yesterday there were some games there are games continuing today and will continue through the rest of february and march and then the season proper will start at the end of march all right next up we had the all-star game in the nba and those who did watch it apparently not that many because it had the lowest ratings in the history of the all-star game i did not watch it but basketball uh, did happen. Not watching it, and Team Giannis beat Team LeBron. Uh, so and, there you go. yes, and note that they say Team Giannis and Team LeBron, not yes, Team East versus Team West, because there was an, a draft between yeah. Giannis and LeBron to right. pick players on their team. Because yeah. screw uh, borders, we just want super teams. It makes sense. Uh, they're trying to bring in those ratings, ironically enough. Um, yeah, but yeah, but very ironically, but they don't put in that much effort. Yeah, no, all star effort. It's just there's a lot of theories about why this just isn't attracting viewership. Um, a lot of people say it's just an overly complicated series of things, mm-hmm. which is right. But yeah, bringing in fewer viewers than the Pro Bowl is worrying. I think like if more people are watching the Pro Bowl than this, I think you need to maybe think about retooling your All Star game. Well, it looks like with the MLB All-Star Game, even that also occurs in the middle of the season. Right. Like, there's actual stakes in it. Winner gets home field advantage for the World yes. Series. Yes, if you Here, add stakes there's to no this. Stakes. There's absolutely right. no stakes for this. And maybe if there were, there would be some seriousness attached to it and maybe more reason to watch. So, but yeah, that happened. 
Speaking of uh, basketball, 76ers Max McClung won the slam dunk contest with perfect scores on three out of four of attempts. So congratulations. Yep. uh, The rare feat of scoring over 150 points or scoring 150 points on three attempts. Yeah. (laughs) Not bad. Moving on to Zoom Zoom race cars. NASCAR started uh, with the Daytona 500 race last Sunday, and your winner was Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Throw huge quotes around here for winning. Okay. Uh, because he won by ruling, by proxy uh. ruling. Because uh, it was a yellow flag uh, during the last lap. Uh. Wreck happened behind him. Joey Logano was in front. And then the wreck happened, so he slows down. Ricky Stenhouse yeah. goes in front. Yeah. Then, just as he gets in front, then the yellow light comes on. Yeah. The yellow flag goes out. And they end the race there of whoever's in front. Right. And because he was in front by literally a foot. Yeah. They declared him the winner. So you're telling me that we had two major sports events two weeks in a row where the last minute something stupid happens and anticlimactic and it's just not interesting anymore. Yes. Got it. And this one uh, was a racing. Yeah. So yes. even worse because that entire race didn't matter, basically. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it was a good race up until then. Then you <laughs> decided to call it on the last, uh, yeah, the last wreck there. How's um, this bode for the NASCAR season? Uh, do you think this is an omen? No, but it does kind of make things interesting for this upcoming week uh-huh. uh, because it will be the Auto Club 400's last race in Fontana. Yes. Before they restructure the stadium yeah well we'll see so you know the fastest sunday (laughs) as they once called it occurring tomorrow well look forward to that sunday of the year (laughs) (laughs) you wake up and it's already over yep kind of sucks um (laughs) moving out of fast fast car cars uh, back to football. Yes, I know you're probably thinking, wait a minute, football's over. We had the Super Bowl. Well, no, the XFL is here. Games were already started, and we yep. have a weird trivia tidbit. We're already in week two, and yes. there's a bunch of players that you're like, oh, yeah, whatever happened to that guy? Including former first-round draft pick Paxton Lynch, who yep. now is the only man who can say the following, that he is the only quarterback to have ever been benched in the NFL, the CFL, the USFL, and now the XFL. So all possible football. Which is a weird stat line because the XFL <laughs> has only been around for one week. <laughs> this incarnation, <laughs> yes. yes. Wild. So, yeah, what a, what, a, what a weird thing to put on your uh, Wikipedia trivia section. Um, wild. Uh, yeah, Paxton Lynch, a uh, former first-round draft pick out of Memphis, uh, drafted by the Broncos. So, you know, good job, John Manley, on picking that one. Good job. Good job. Uh, to, yeah, be benched and cut from three out of the four leagues and soon to be four out of the four leagues. So did you watch any uh, of the XFL games? Do you have I XFL did, thoughts? because I was looking for um, uh, forward to watching some A.J. McCarron. And AJ McCarron's girlfriend, <laughs> former Miss okay. Alabama herself. Got it. I see. Uh, yeah, it, 
I think that's where the difference between the USFL and the XFL lie uh-huh. is that the XFL are ex NFL players and the USFL are right. um, former college players who never who weren't drafted right. or couldn't make the um, the uh, team training yeah the, the training the roster. There's a lot yeah. of like names that you'd recognize in the XFL, like uh, Josh Gordon. For one, like Paxton Lynch, like AJ McCarron, like a uh, mm-hmm. one uh, at one time Cowboys quarterback Ben DiNucci. Oh wow! Okay, so there's some names that you recognize in the XFL, but they're also names of like, oh yeah, I remember you weren't that good in the NFL. Yeah. And some of the rule changes are interesting, right? Like they're doing some interesting things with um, all, for... always running clock. Yeah, only one foot in bounds makes a catch. Right. A little bit of college rules um, for the last two minutes. Yeah, there's four timeouts instead of three. Do you um, think that makes it a slightly more interesting game than an NFL game? Or do things you I think maybe it allows you think coaches to challenge borrow? more? Yeah, uh, but I do really like that they go like when there is a challenge on the field. Yes, they immediately go to someone like explaining the rules yes. of like here's what I'm looking at. Once I heard that, uh, somebody explained to that on uh, a podcast this week I was listening to, and I was like, oh my god, they should do this for everything. Like, this is such a good idea. Like, well, let the audience they bring see in the, the process. And say, here's what I see. Yeah, Not, yeah. here's what the guy actually making the ruling is seeing. Because especially with, um, especially with, you know, how complicated a catch in football has gotten, right? And like, did he make a football move? We make fun of that all the time. <laughs> yeah, we Because do. <laughs> it's exempl- it exemplifies how stupid sometimes it feels and how arbitrary it feels to decide what's a catch and what's not. And to actually have somebody break it down would actually really help. Yes, except there was one incident this past weekend where a ruling was held up upheld because they only get uh two minutes to look at it Mm. but upon coming back from a commercial break they showed a different angle that the uh judge didn't see Mm -hmm. and was like Mm -hmm. oh like see right here this is where it could have been ruled or probably should have been ruled incomplete interesting okay so there is a time crunch of two minutes and they're only looking at three angles right but that's what the extra challenge is for. Is like, hey, mm-hmm. like we think there's a different angle out there. You need to check all angles. Yeah, interesting. So nonetheless, that's why there's the extra timeout. It's mainly for the yeah. extra challenge. I want to see that sausage get made in this case, and I think it's really cool that we get to. I please, please, please let the let the NFL borrow this. Like, if they borrow anything, please borrow this. Also, please, please, please do not borrow the kickoffs because standing <laughs> ten yards from someone and waiting for them to catch the ball. Right, boring. To hit someone is kind of uh, just like waiting for paint to dry. Like, come <laughs> on. Happen. Something yes. happened. Something happened. Please. I get it. It's to prevent concussions and to it's, like limit injuries. But Hey, it's it's get up and get another beer time. That's what that is. It's like, oh, okay. Now I can grab something. <laughs> yeah, the remote because I'm going to change the channel. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What else is on? Anyway, well, okay. That's the XFL and that's sports. Anything else in sports that we need to talk about before we move on to television news? Uh, let's see here. NHL standings are still going on. Yep. Um, the Bruins continue to not reach that ten win, <laughs> or that ten loss threshold. Yeah. So they're looking yep. to be the favorites right now. Okay. Um, everyone else, get out of the way. <laughs> uh, let's Definitely. see here. Where's the points? Yeah, the Bruins are at ninety-three points. 
Um, the next closest is 80 or 86. So, yeah, Bruins and the um, Boston Bruins and the Carolina Hurricanes currently running away in the East Division. Mm -hmm. Um, but in the Central and Pacific Division, it is super close with like five points separating the top five, um, seeds or top five teams in both of those divisions. Okay. Well, it's getting so, closer and closer. It is. Um, the uh, Central and Pacific Division are just going to beat up on each other while the Eastern <laughs> Conference is just going to smooth by, yeah. run yeah. by smooth with Boston and Carolina kind of like being the top one, yeah. two teams. Yeah. Well, look forward to that wrapping up pretty soon here. Um, all uh, right. It wraps up in March or end of March, like end of uh, March, for of April. And then we get <laughs> playoff hockey. Awesome. Look forward to also, that. Also, I'm slowly waiting for um, the first team to be officially eliminated from playoff contention. <laughs> Countdown begins. Uh, looking at you, uh, Ducks or Blue Jackets. Oh, shit. Man. Well, you know, hey, our local teams are never that great. Anyways. Hey, Kings are doing great. Kings are doing great. Yeah. Well. There are only one one can be good at a time. I guess you're right. I guess well mm. actually now I'm not so now I'm not quite sure what my local team is because I feel like I'm equidistant now between um uh downtown LA and Anaheim. So I don't know anymore. Like I, I don't know if I oh, have a horse in that. You can easily take one train to get to one of the teams. <laughs> yeah, but I can take the OCTA down to uh like the, the bus down to uh Orange. Uh, so the bus down to the Orange. It's a wash, I think. Is it a wash? <laughs> anyway. Anyway, let's move on. That's it for sports. Let's talk about television. And we start television with, I swear I saw this coming. As soon as there was opposing deals happening between streamers, I knew that South Park was going to be caught in the middle. What I'm referring to is, is that South Park has sparked a lawsuit between Warner Brothers Discovery and Paramount Global. It accuses Paramount of reneging on parts of that $500 million licensing deal set in 2019 for the streaming rights to episodes of South Park. The suit, filed Friday in New York State Supreme Court, asserts that Paramount breached the contract by steering South Park specials and other content to its own Paramount Plus platform. HBO Max set a licensing pact with Paramount for rights to South Park episodes back in October 2019, as then-parent company AT&T was preparing to launch HBO Max in May 2020. The lawsuit alleges that when HBO Max bid on the South Park streaming rights, it did so with the assurance that there would be three new seasons of 10 episodes each. The suit alleges, however, that only two episodes were delivered for the first of those seasons, and only six for the second. HBO Max also understands that the third season will consist of six episodes only, for a total of 14 across the three seasons, instead of the 30 that were agreed upon in that initial deal. So you have two kind of moving parts here. So you have the exact nitty-gritty amount of episodes that HBO Max was expecting to be on their service. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, this like parts and minds kind of battle, which is, well, we never, when we were agreeing to this, we never assumed that you guys were going to swoop in and be like, well, we have this specific content for South Park over here on our own service that's not available and not part of the contract. Also note that this was pre-pandemic where yes. South Park only put out specials and not full seasons. I think it was, it's just, def it's definitely, it feels like Warner is basically saying, hey, we made this deal because we thought we were going to be the home for South Park. We, the, the reason why we spent the money 
was because like we wanted a one-stop shop kind of approach like come here for everything and that's not what they got right you got up to 2019 yes and even then like the smattering of episodes that they've gotten that's been new has not been what they thought that they were well, going because i think the two episodes that they got for the following season for 2020 was just the pandemic special split up right. into one part part Correct. one and part two yeah that they they're counting that as a South Park wants to count it as a, quote, season, even though it doesn't fulfill the contract of a full season order because of the pandemic that happened. Yeah, this is fascinating because this is really just two streaming partners having it out. Because South, as far as I know, South Park themselves, the creatives behind the show, are not involved in this. This is 100% contract. Like, they've been making the show to the best of their ability and with their resources that are available to them. Like, this has nothing to do with their pipeline. Maybe their pipeline caused some of the decision-making that Paramount ultimately chose to go forward with. But that doesn't mean that anyone's to blame but Paramount here, because they had the control here. Warner might have a case, but it all depends on what's in that contract and what lawyers are able to, like, discern, whether or not that they were guaranteed these things or not. Well, it also depends whether they guaranteed episodes or were they guaranteed seasons? Because yeah. if they were guaranteed seasons, then that goes back to whatever um, right. South Park Studios wants to consider a season. I don't even think it's up to the South Park Studios at that point, because even season has been, it's a term that means nothing in the streaming era, because it's right. different between it's different between services. It's different between shows on the same service. You can have one like be like, oh, season really just means part one. And it's like six episodes. And then we'll give you the rest of season one, which is really just a way to stretch out these contracts as long as possible. This might be the first time we're seeing that language come into question on a legal basis. Mm-hmm. This actually could be interesting pre- precedent. This might what be, do you consider a yeah, season? How long is a season? Depending on how this goes, if this goes to court and they just don't settle it, this could like be like an interesting precedent for like going forward what you can legally call a season of content on a streaming service. Fingers crossed, because I would love to actually have legal precedent for that. But we'll see. Anyway. What a what a mess. It's basically just a giant mess. And that I kind of saw coming when they were like, when Paramount was like, oh yeah, but some of the stuff is going to be over here. I'm like, wait a minute. What did HBO Max pay for if they're not getting all the South Park? And I Mm -hmm. think they're asking the same question. Anyway. Uh, Interesting to look at. Interesting to see what happens coming down the pipeline here. That's kind of what I want to happen out of this is define a season for a streaming network. Anything more than five episodes considers a streaming. Yeah. Someone, someone, somewhere do that, please. Yeah. Let's move on. Speaking of streaming, one of the things you can stream on Netflix right now is none other than one of our favorite movies last year, Glass Onion. In fact, was it our favorite movie of the year? It was our favorite movie of the year. Well, our own separate number one movie, but it was both our number two movies. That is true. Well, now there's a new way to rewatch Glass Onion and learn some new things about the production. And that is another one of our one of our, my yes. favorite ways of watching a movie with director's commentary. Except so, there's a big, huge well, yeah, catch there's, to this. There's, there's a caveat for sure. So on February 23rd, 
that was a couple of days ago, earlier last week. The Glass Onion Twitter account and Ryan Johnson teased a director's commentary coming out on the 24th, yesterday. Uh, the director's commentary did arrive, but via a podcast and not within the Netflix app. That's right. The commentary exists completely outside the Netflix ecosystem. With them choosing to upload the commentary track as an audio podcast and a podcast series called Watching With, a series that went dead back in May 2020, only to be revived now. Oh, Siri started listening to me. I think it said, thought I said something with it. Um, something unlike any of the content that came before it. So if you want to watch along with this new director's commentary, you have to time the podcast to play with the movie at the same time. Uh, you see a lot of this with like riff tracks. It works in a similar way. Mm -hmm. um, there's other pod like listen with podcasts uh, that that do kind of the same gig. If you're used to doing that, that's basically what you do here. Uh, but hey, it's still a way to learn more about the production and direction behind the scenes of Glass Onion. I'm sure it's fascinating. Oh, it's very fascinating. I, I got through uh, the first half of this until um, I was looking on my phone and watching on TV. And then my phone um, died because it was running while while I have it plugged in. <laughs> so all of a sudden my audio stops. Yeah. And because the audio isn't coming out of the TV, um, like it's still running. So now I lost where I was. Uh right. So I try now I have to go back and try try and find okay where's a good spot to like try and resync resync it. Yeah. Yeah. Why did they just put this on Netflix? I have no idea. Because when I first saw this, I was like, director's commentary, Glass Onion, let me go to Netflix. It has to be here. I would bet it's because Netflix does not have a place to put it like Disney Plus does. Well, Disney do Plus has an extra section. Yeah. Well, Netflix doesn't really have that kind of setup. Like they do. Trailers and more. Yeah, I don't think that... Maybe they went to Netflix and was like, they were like, eh, I don't know. We don't really do that. Well, if you go to Netflix right now and go to Glass Onion, there's a and the trailers and more section and you can see yeah like uh, the snippets within the movie but uh you may be right that technically they would have to upload the movie twice yeah maybe they there's some sort that. of reason why they don't want to do it and that's maybe why ryan johnson was like well okay well we have this existing thing that we can just update uh do they because this is a thing from 2020 that like died said, in may of 2020 yeah but and the the people who were on it I didn't recognize any of the names. I didn't recognize any of the movies. There must be some sort of connection, though, for them to. Put I want to say Netflix just bought them and say, "Hey, we want <laughs> this thing." Say, watching with, and we're going to start putting stuff on here. Maybe I don't know. I feel like this may be outside of Netflix's purview. Is my guess. Yeah, I don't know who bought the uh, podcast for them because <laughs> clearly it wasn't created for them. Yeah, but they already you... had stuff on it. But imagine this. If you're just running a movie podcast and Ryan Johnson calls you and asks you to basically dedicate part of your RSS feed to his director's commentary, you're going to say yes. Like, imagine uh, imagine if you got this call. Like, imagine if you got a call last a uh, couple weeks ago from Ryan Johnson saying, like, hey, guys, love your podcast. Can you do me a favor? Well, no, I'd say, hey, is this our number one uh, boatsman <laughs> calling us right now? <laughs> and he'd be mad at us because like well no you guys love uh, uh michael b jordan more than me and we'd be like no trust me we love you <laughs> anyway 
Um, yeah, no, weird, weird story, but hey, like I said, it's good that it's out, out there and available, maybe a little tricky to implement, but once you get it, um, I think it's going to be cool, like nice little learning experience. Anyway, so that's it for television uh, yeah, news. It's, it's going to take a while to, um, yeah. like I said, not just re like resync it for me, but also, right. um, like go back to it. Like, I like what he was talking about, like all like the set design, people acted, like the days on sets. Yeah. Um, how they're able to get certain people. Um, it's really like I love all that. I just wish it was an easier way of doing it. Yes, yeah. It was so like listening to like a podcast of okay, I'm kind of following in my head of what's going on. <laughs> right. Well, maybe someday. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, so you watched a show that I knew you were going to watch after I saw the uh, Super Bowl ads. Uh, for this, I was like, oh, yeah, he's definitely going to check this out. So tell me about Netflix's full swing. So this past year, 2022 season of the PGA was followed around by a Netflix documentary crew, um, a la kind of The Last Dance, uh -huh. just to um, basically, you know, get a more in-depth look of the up-and-coming uh, golf stars. Right. Like, how they live outside of golf, what it takes to be a professional golfer. I think they started off with this as, like, just, like, hey, like, PGA's kind of interesting. Mm. We want to do more documentary stuff in sports, and maybe if we have cameras around, we'll get Tiger Woods to eventually be on this. Because that's what <laughs> it feels like at some points. Of yeah. Like, hey, like we, just, we need, like, everyone to talk about Tiger Woods, how good he is. We, <laughs> we also, like, hope maybe someday we can actually get Tiger Woods to sit down for this. But what they didn't realize last year, uh, at least, like, when they started it, was that Live Golf was coming. Right. So this goes into Live Golf, goes into some of the players' decisions to join live golf what it takes to be on a pga tour i think originally what this was supposed to be was just hey like here's some background guys on golfers that you don't normally get because you see them if you one if you ever watch golf and two if you're not following them on like instagram like get their behind the scenes it's like hey another way of doing it i think more sports should do something like this mm -hmm. but because this has the full effect of live golf and kind of the whole upheaval that the pga happened over the over last year 2022 right. which we covered here um mm -hmm. it's more impactful than i think it otherwise would have been because a lot of more interesting stuff is hey like here's how like i've been doing on the pga tour like this is why i got involved with golf i'm really good but then also the money's calling over here so i know kind of know more or less what i'm getting into uh, there are no big, like, there's big names if you're in the golf world, like uh, Justin Thomas, Rory McElroy, um, but they're not the huge names like Tiger Woods or Phil Mickelson. Right. I'm about halfway through with this. It's uh, eight episodes. I'm through uh, four episodes right now, um, and they're going, they're just, like, crossing into the Live Golf era. Uh, like so what it just means. A, the, so the shit's just about to go down. Yeah, like I said, like I think that's what makes this thing more interesting than it otherwise right. wouldn't be. You kind of have this meta story happening while the actual golf is being played. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that actually like sounds it. interesting. I, I'm not super into golf, but that actually sounds like that's an interesting kind of table setting for uh, a thing like this. Well, kind of like the first like two um, episodes were about. It's like, hey, here's some golfers. Like, here's how they got started and like 
here's what what they go through their kind of routine for like getting to the PGA, staying in the PGA, winning tournaments, what it means to win, how you stay in shape, like stuff like that. Yeah. And then it's kind of pivoting towards live golf because it's like looming on the horizon and in the show in full swing, like now it's here. Yeah, boy. Well, well, you'll have to catch us back up once that the shit hits the fan. And yeah, we'll probably finish it um, this weekend. All right. Speaking of finishing things on Netflix, I just want to briefly mention, we don't have to write it down because I already talked about it on the show, but I finished season five of Agretzko. Mm-hmm. You can see my write-up uh, for the season on mediaboatpodcast.com. I liked it overall. I thought it was a pretty fitting end to the show. And um, yeah, you can read more of my thoughts there. But like, yeah, I thought I, I enjoyed where it went. And it had some interesting uh, things to say about the characters that I wasn't expecting. Uh, so yeah, still a great show. And um, one of one of the better, I mean, I think people often forget of how anime it is because of its look. But like, it is very much an anime. And I think one of the better animes I've seen. Um, I really liked it. Uh, I thought they wrapped it up on a good note. Okay. Uh, Speaking of things that ratcheted up, uh, this past Wednesday was Ash Wednesday. So Netflix decided to drop the (laughs) second half, part two and part three, of Ultimate Pokemon Journeys. God damn it. Did I lose you there? (laughs) Anyways... So that is available on Netflix right now. This is not says, the one we're looking forward, the, the one we're waiting for, right? Which is the final, like, Ash episode. This right? leads up to it. Right. This, I'm wait- it's, this is not the actual final battle. Right. The final match. That is coming in the next okay. uh, part. But this I mean, does get him from rank 306 to the top eight. Yeah. I'm going to wait. And then that's where then. it ends. I'm going to wait then, because I'll be honest. The episodes of the Pokemon anime where battles happen are my now are my least favorite episodes now. Really? Because I'm the opposite. I'm just going right yeah. to battle, right to the battle, right to the battle. I just don't care. I just don't care. Like I'm like, eh, whatever. So I'll wait until it's okay. what I'm looking you forward to go is go catch a Mew. <laughs> yeah. But I want what I'm waiting for is to get to the part where they're at in Japan right now, which is just the wrapping up Ash's the- story arc. The 10-episode epilogue. Yeah, that's what I want to see. I'm interested in that and also the new series to see what they do with it. Do you see the, the the artwork that they put out of, I guess, some older guy who's going to hang out with our new protagonist with a Pikachu wearing a sailor's cap? <laughs> it's literally like a Captain Pikachu. It's so cute. So there will be a Pikachu, confirmed. Everybody assumed that there be. was going to be a Pikachu. Confirmed now. There will be a Pikachu. Yep. So look forward to that. Anyway. Ash Wednesday. <laughs> I didn't name it. <laughs> Anyways. All right. Anything else on TV? Oh, yeah. Perfect Match continues to be an absolute clusterfuck disaster zone. Yes, We don't is. have time to talk about it. No, we'll talk about that next week after its finale. Um, but it does look like they're just going to throw everyone into the mix and be a free-for-all. Yeah. Also, weirdly, they had six rooms the whole time. <laughs> Yeah, I know. What the hell? They magically grew a room over the course of the four episodes. Who who knew? Um, also, yeah, and and a mid-season checkup for two uh, two other shows. Uh, Poker Phase. What a banger of an episode this week! I bet you're still not caught up, are you? Uh, we are to this past week. We, we thank we God. Watched the this first Thursday. Twenty. Yes, we watched the first twenty minutes of it. Okay. Um, the 
what was the makeup artist, right? They yes. Oh my god, I think the best episode this season yet. So we watched the first part of it, but yeah. we didn't get to where okay. Natasha um shows up. I was riveted because we this went whole time. because we really like we bulldozed through the the mm-hmm. three episodes that we were already. Um, Did you love on. the racing one? Loved it. Yeah, so I love that he actually didn't like face any consequences. <laughs> It's like yes, like yes. No, he did. Don't he face did, the though. police. He faced internal consequences because you see those shakes. Spoilers, yeah. sorry for. Yeah, no, so that's what I like. Like sometimes you see those you shakes. Don't, you don't need to get the cops involved. Sometimes yeah. it's not as right. black and white as it is. I love but how the show internally. can play around with those endings, right? Where it's like you can have the the traditional like the cops show up, you know that they're arrested ending, or you can have like oh shit endings like that, where it's like oh wait a minute, you can have it about murders. It doesn't necessarily have to be about murders. Like, there's so many things they can do with this setup. It just keeps getting better week after week. Just what a stellar show. Yeah, but like then the also, with, uh, Tim Meadows. Yes, that was great, too. Um, also, uh, a banger this week, Last of Us. Um, yes. What a cliffhanger. My guess is that they go to the flashback next episode. And yes, I make you wait do. a whole nother week to know. They're going to do, do um, Left Behind or whatever. Yeah. What, yeah, yeah, I think it's Left Behind. But yeah, I think that they do the DLC episode, flashback episode next week. And then we'll find out yeah, what happens. So that way you're that yeah. way you you're left with two weeks of Joel being dead. Yes, I mean we know what happens. Oh yes, spoiler. But we're not gonna. Yeah, we. We're, uh, I'm sorry. I'm really did you not curious. see the box art for um, <laughs> Last of Us Part Two? Right. I'm really really curious to see what they do with the story. But I, don't, I think story. it was a great way to end that episode of like. Yeah. We're just gonna leave you with this like gut wrenching. And then throw you behind, then yeah. throw you back in the past. And then last little Martin bit Lewis. I want to mention: uh, last week tonight is back as of last yes. week. So yes, it is. And um, I've been recommended by several people to go back and watch uh, Shrinking with Jason Siegel. Oh, okay. So uh, and Harrison Ford. Oh, I talked about quick. that at the twenty uh, at, yes. at the end of last month. I just um, that's the uh, H, uh, the Apple Plus Apple TV Plus. Um, Brett Goldstein, Bill Lawrence um, created. Uh, there are currently six episodes aired out of ten. Yeah. So I'm probably going to go back there. Uh, I've been recommended by several people. I gave my thoughts about it at the end of, uh, after the 27th because the first two episodes had dropped. Um, it, like I said, as I said back then, it was good. I liked the concept, but it wasn't something that I was itching to get back to on a weekly basis. But now, yeah. I'm adding um, something to the sheet. By the way, yeah. But now, um, now that there's more episodes, I'm gonna <laughs> go back in with my uh, doctor, and we're going mm-hmm. to probably watch more of it. It is half hour episodes, so they do run by a bit faster. Okay. Um, and it's on Apple TV Plus, so you know, yeah. Yeah. might get some more. Um, oh, that's the other way. Tell last I think next month, right? Next month, yes. That's a March show. Yes, next yes. month, that's March, and next week on the 3rd is Mando, so we'll talk about Mando yep. next week. And then just really, really quick, I promise it'll be really quick, I forgot about something that we watched this week. Uh, Chrissy and I are really big fans of Gina Rodriguez, I mean, she mm-hmm. is Kolka. Um, and when we saw that she was going to be in a starring ABC sitcom, um, we decided to check it out on Hulu. It's a show called Not Dead Yet. Okay, so I've seen two different trailers for this. Uh-huh. One is uh, Gina Rodriguez being a, what was it, like a journalist or a reporter who yes. loses her job and is yes. out trying to find a new story. 
Uh-huh. Basically, like, she may be down, but she's not dead yet. Sure. Two, I saw a trailer for this where she talks to ghosts. And both <laughs> look like completely different trailers, but for the exact same show. So we didn't know. So both are true. I want you to know. Oh, both, both are, are true? true. It Both are the same show, although the first one's slightly tweaked slightly. I'll get to that. Um, and then we didn't actually know that that was the hook of the show. We did not know about the ghost thing until we started watching it and literally learned the premise while we were watching the show. Uh, basically, to be really brief, the premise is she used to work at a, at a, a newspaper. She quit that to be, get married, basically, in her 20s. Uh, she ends up getting divorced to the guy. Uh, things do not work out. She comes back to the newspaper in her 40s and tries to get a job back. So she comes in, she already knows all the rest of the staff and everything. But there's no other right place for her except for, you guessed it, the obituary section. Oh. And here's the hook. When she's writing an obituary for somebody, that person in ghost form then comes to her. And then they, you know, discuss things. No, In a I see dead people kind of way, no one can see the ghost but her. Now, is, do they show up to her just alone or like on the yes. streets oh, well, like in a there are like both, at, she's like at her desk or is both. it like i'm walking around and i'm talking to you yeah both and the show does use that for the predictable humor of i'm talking i look like i'm talking to myself kind of thing or i'm gonna put in my headphones at this restaurant while i'm while i'm talking to you so people don't think i'm crazy kind of thing mm-hmm. um it's terrible i just want to tell you right ahead the pilot was awful gina rodriguez is wasted yet again and i just hate to see her keep taking these scripts because she deserves so much better the hook i don't know how they make it work for more than one episode because even the first episode seemed like it was like teetering on the edge of not working basically they exist to give her a pep talk is it's basically like we bring in an old person to, to tell them like well here's what i think here's my wise living like advice for you who's clearly somebody who is like whose life is falling apart because, of course, she's divorced, she's living, she's cohabitating with some stranger because she can't afford a place by herself, and she's literally gone back to get a job that probably is underpaying her, et cetera, et cetera. So she's struggling. Her friends are in different places than they used to be, and so she can't really make friends the same way. She has a rivalry with the daughter of the owner of the paper because, of course, she does because that, you know, enhances the stakes of job stuff. It's just not well written. The jokes fell flat for me. The hook is not good enough. And like I said, I just can't see it working beyond the pilot. I just don't know where they're going to go with it because there's only so many times you can have Ghost gives character a pep talk before she finally has to make changes in her life. And I don't know, like, but if that happens, then there's no show. So I don't know. It seems like such a rocky foundation, and I don't see this show lasting more than a season. I'm kind of hung up on... They're actual ghosts, so she's writing the <laughs> obituary. Yes. Maybe oh. putting in more information than what other, any other normal person would know. Well, see, that's the thing, is that, that that's not where the show is going. You think that that would be something it's doing? But no, the actual content of what she's writing in the obituary is not influenced by the ghost being somebody she talked to. It doesn't seem like that's the angle they're going with. It is literally just a mechanic to have somebody talking at her about how to better live her life or giving her advice. That seems to be what this is. Maybe they'll do that later in the season, but I ain't going to stick around to find out. (laughs) So We'll see. 
but just it seems pretty lousy just probably skip it my advice. all right anyway so that's not dead yet uh let's see anything else that no i think that's it watched. yeah i think that that's 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 all i think velma officially ended yeah maybe i'll go back and finish it yeah, i won't <laughs> all right the interest just isn't there for me. Okay. But if you're listening to this on Saturday, um, as of this recording, HBO Max is doing a live concert event of the weekend at SoFi. Right. Yes. Um, put live in huge quotes around this because this is the taping of the SoFi event before he lost his voice. Right, right, right. At SoFi. Yes. Uh but so, still, hey, it's weekend concert. If you want to see the weekend in concert, uh, yes, we will because we pretty much have nothing better to do than stay indoors this weekend. I know, yeah, I ain't, I ain't driving. <laughs> anyway, so cool. That's that. Let's now move on to a last part of the show, which is the movies. Or no, uh, actually, before that, we need to do cancellations and renewals. Yep. First up, Netflix is bringing back Outer Banks for a fourth season. HBO Max has canceled Southside after three seasons. Hallmark Channel bringing back Wind Calls the Heart, the Media Boat podcast favorite show that we didn't know about uh, for an 11th the show? season. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. We now know people who do, so there yes. we go. And they continue to watch it for 11th season. Yeah, Jesus. Prime Video will bring back The Rig for a second season. ABC has made it official. The Goldbergs will end after season 10. It is currently in its season 10, so this upcoming finale in the spring will be its last. Speaking of last seasons, HBO has also confirmed that Succession, its upcoming fourth season, will be its final season. So that will be the end of Succession. No, yes. no uh, nothing this, will this succeed not, Succession. Yes, but this is not by HBO standards. This is by the showrunners. Yeah, that they the only story. wanted to do four seasons, so they're going right. to stop at four seasons. Yeah, the story is and, wrapping up. Yep. So they've written this upcoming season to be its finale. They don't want to do anything else. That being said, maybe a movie in the future, but yeah. fourth season, this upcoming season will be marketed as the season finale or the so, series finale. Series finale. So look forward to that. AMC canceled Soulmates after just one season. And then CBS said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And they have renewed 48 hours, 60 minutes, The Amazing Race, CSI Vegas, Lingo, NCIS, NCIS Hawaii. And tough as nails. So everything, basically, their their standard bearing uh, dramas and reporting shows, and I guess a couple of newbies here with Lingo and Tough as Nails, uh, getting confirmed to return. Well, uh, Tough as Nails and Amazing Race are both um, hosted by Jeff Keegan. Okay, so, so that well. makes package sense. deal. Yeah, yeah. And then Lingo, mm -hmm. I didn't realize they brought back Lingo until like two weeks ago. I saw it. Uh, lingering uh, on Paul, I think. Yeah, RuPaul's the host, and it's funny now because everybody's gonna look at it and be like, "That's just Wordle," but Lingo, Lingo did exist Wordle. prior. Yeah, it's just funny to me now. It's like, oh, it's a That's Wordle show. Back. Yeah, they couldn't get Wordle. It's a good time, but they have Lingo just sitting there. It's good timing, honestly, to bring back Lingo. I've not watched this in incarnation of Lingo, but it seems all right. And then, uh, lastly, we have one death to talk about. Speaking of uh Drama. procedurals crime procedurals yep. the king of or the former king i guess i should say of the the crime procedural richard melzer age 78 passed away this week of course you'd know her, him mostly from law and order svu 
But before that, of course, the character originated on Homicide Life on the Street. Fun fact about the character. His character actually has the record of most series universes that his character in character has been involved in. Because there have been crossover episodes between Homicide and Law and Order. There have also been crossover episodes where his character has showed up on shows like The X-Files. And even, believe it or not, in character on Arrested Development. <laughs> so the Belzerverse actually extends farther than a lot of people know. And so, yeah, what a career this man has had. And it's sad to see him go. Just a staple of Law & Order SVU for so many years. Yeah, before Sam Waterston, there was Richard Belzer. Well, actually, around the same time, well, but yeah, yes. But... Um, yeah, definitely definitely a, a sad one, but uh, he will be remembered from hours and hours and hours of television. <laughs> yes. And hours and hours and hours of crossovers. Yes, crossovers. All right, let's move on into the movie section now, officially. And we start with the weekend box office numbers. Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, of course, is your number one movie. Breaking that 100 million in one weekend. Oh, boy. 106 million. Uh, that's pretty good, I think. It's Ant's crawl over the 100 million mark, but hey, at least it made it. Yes. No 150 it. like they were kind of hoping for. <laughs> I like but that. An Ant's crawl. It literally is. It's, it's 6 million over. It's good. Number two, Avatar The Way of the Water. Another $6.5 million. What a difference between one and two. $657 million domestic. Uh, but Avatar The Way of Water did leap over Titanic in the overall, which we were talking about last year. <laughs> They're just going to go week. back and forth forever. So now The Way of Water is back at number three all time. So it goes Avatar, Avengers, <laughs> Avatar. Yes. And then number three, Magic Mike's Last Dance with another $5.4 million. That's at eighteen. Number four, Puss, Puss, Puss in Boots. Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, with another three, $5.3 million. That's at 166 Knock at the Cabin still rounds out your top five with $3.9 million for $30 million total. And in case you're wondering how well Winnie the Pooh... Wow, I can't talk right now. Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey did at the box office this week. It debuted... To just $652,000 and way down at number 13. Oh, nobody wanted to run that honeypot. (laughs) Nobody did not, uh, nobody wanted to ruin their childhood as much as they thought they wanted to. So, sorry, Winnie the Pooh. We'll we'll see you on a slasher or thriller. So, we'll see how Cocaine Bear does next week, as that is this week's new release. As for next week, coming this Friday, we have two big, big movies here. Operation Fortune and Creed 3. Speaking of Michael B. Jordan. Yep. And speaking of Jonathan Majors from Ant-Man, you can see him fight uh, Killmonger in Creed 3. <laughs> but what is Operation Fortune? Well, very This good. is Jason Statham and Aubrey Plaza. Right. I saw, okay, I saw this. Yes. Yes. They are trying to heist a billionaire. With the help of a unwilling movie star. Got it. Or, sorry, not unwilling. Um, unassuming movie star. Interesting. Very interesting. Uh, oh, yeah. see. Um, Aubrey Plaza is all over the ads for this. So is Jason Statham. But I also doubt both of them will be the focal <laughs> point of this movie. Yeah, I wonder. Anyway, with that, let's move on to movie news. We start with an update about the Lord of the Rings franchise. Well, hey, Zaslav warned us that one of the things he wanted to do 
when he became uh, when the merger happened was that he wanted to focus on their big temple franchises. And one of those temple franchises that they own is, of course, the Lord of the Rings. Well, on a Thursday earnings car call, talking is difficult for me right now, uh, Zaslav announced that the newly installed studio leaders Mike DeLuca and Pam Abdi have brokered a deal to make multiple new films based on the J.R.R. Tolkien books. The projects will be developed through WB label New Line Cinema. The first Lord of the Rings trilogy, of course, helmed by Peter Jackson, grossed nearly $3 billion near, uh, worldwide. Jackson's follow-up trilogy, based on The Hobbit, matched those grosses, even though they apparently sucked ass. No and filmmakers have been... a 10-year difference, <laughs> difference in those. No filmmakers have been attached to the projects as of yet, but in a statement to Variety, Jackson and his main Lord of the Rings collaborators, Fran Walsh and Philippa, Philippa Boyens, said Warner Brothers and Embracer, quote, have kept us in the loop every step of the way. Inaugural projects and timelines were not immediately disclosed. But so basically the story here is eventually there will be more Lord of the Rings movies. Maybe. Because this was on an earnings call and made to investors, yeah. I think this is a way for the for uh, Zaslav to kind of quell their fears of what's coming down the pipeline. We don't know what, we know what Gunn's doing mm -hmm. for the DC films. But what about everything else? We don't have any Lego. We don't have Harry Potter. What's mm -hmm. the other thing? And yeah. so he said, we have uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, something more. We have Tolkien. The interesting new wrinkle to this is, of course, the Embracer quotient in here. You probably noticed that name. We've kind of raced past it. But as we reported here on the show, the Embracer Group, a big holdings firm that owns a lot of shit, especially video game franchises, mm -hmm. They are now the owners of the IP rights, so any negotiation has to go through them. So they will be involved if more Lord of the Rings movies are made. So just adds a little extra spice to the deal here. And we already know that um, the Lord of the Rings Rings of Power is currently going on with Amazon. Amazon. This is going to be separate from right. that. Yes. So, yeah, we'll see. Uh, it makes sense that they'd want to eventually make more movies in that franchise. I just don't know what you do from here. You've got to start making shit up at some point. Well, I don't know. But to um, remind everyone that by the time these movies do come out, it will have been 25 years at least <laughs> since The Lord of the Rings, The yeah, Fellowship, Fellowship of the Rings. came out, yeah. Long uh, time. Technologies have proved a long, a long ways since <laughs> yes. then. True. So maybe yeah. it is time. You know, 25 years is a long time. But as I see people point out, if one of these does not win the Academy Award for Best Picture, it won't hold the candle to the original. Fair enough. We'll see. We will definitely see. All yeah, right. Well, uh, you know, we have to do Gandalf now. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Let's move on, though. Um, speaking of Gandalfs um, and British people, the BAFTAs happened as award season cruises by. Yep. And hey, as you might imagine, for a um, award show that takes place in uh, the continent of Europe, um, the German film, All Quiet on the Western Front, was the sweeping victor of the night, uh, winning seven awards, including Best Film and Best Director. Quote, We've been blessed with so many nominations, and winning this is just incredible, said producer Malte Grunert on stage. The Banshees of Interim was also favored at the event, clenching both the supporting actor uh, trophy for Barry Keegan 
and Supporting Actress Awards for Carrie Condon, as well as Best Original Screenplay and Outstanding British Film. Meanwhile, Everything Everywhere All at Once, a favorite heading into next month's Oscars, was largely snubbed on Sunday, taking home only one award, Best Editing. Other winners included Charlotte Wells for Outstanding Debut by a British Writer slash Director slash Producer uh, for After Sun, Malvani for Best Documentary, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio for Best Animated Film, Kate Blanchett in Tar for Best Lead Actress, and Austin Butler in Elvis for Best Lead Actor. So do you think any of this affects your choices going into Oscar predictions? I think in the acting categories, it does. I, think I believe so. Kate Blanchett for Tar is going to be very hard to beat now. Barry Keegan, I think, has momentum. Or- He's got momentum for a supporting actor. Sorry, all you Brendan Fraser people out there. Awesome Butler um, for lead actor in Elvis is... That's the one I wonder about. He's winning. You might not like it, but he's winning. I feel like we're having a repeat of the Rami Malek situation. Yeah. Uh, But as for All Quiet on the Western Front, that will win your I think that's up for um, best international film, foreign film. Yeah, yeah sorry. Uh, so that's theory. obviously going to win. So mark that as our like, guaranteed lock. Yes. Uh, but will it win the overall award, best picture? Who knows? Who knows? Because um, everything, everywhere, all at once has been winning pretty much everywhere, everywhere else. But yeah, it's neat that it, it's interesting that it's been snubbed here uh, because it goes to show you that maybe that's an American centric. Uh, feeling as opposed to a worldwide feeling and yeah you get out the American vote separate that from the European vote well, here. Yeah, I mean like and the BAFTAs are very um, they have a separate category for best film and then outstanding British film right yeah you have to keep that in mind too yeah uh, which is why they um, split it with both All Quiet on the Western Front and yeah. the Banshees of Insurance it's a toughie but yes this is officially us saying you have two weeks to lock in um your predictions for Oscars, they are on the 12th of March, so and we start will thinking give about our predictions in next, two yeah, weeks. In two weeks, we'll have that day before a teleca- a podcast for you, telecast. Uh, a podcast before the telecast, and yes. we'll go into it then. All right. Let's move on into thoughts. Did we watch any movies this week? We almost watched Imthrigan last night. We chose, uh, Christy chose to instead watch that during the day. Uh, just in case it's scaries. So we were, we're waiting on that. So next okay. week, maybe I'll talk about Mim 3 again. We almost watched The Woman King, which is available okay. on Netflix. Uh, but instead we watched Full Swing because we wanted to, because that was on our like watch list. Sure. And there's just been so much TV that I haven't had really time to watch a whole lot of movies. So yep. movies put on the back burner. All right. Let's move on then. Guess what? We're not done with the show quite yet, even though that's it for the movie section because, hey... Thanks to our wonderful fan, we have a fan question to answer. So thanks for sending this in. The question reads, Hey there, Boats guys. Got another question for you. What movie or video game do you really enjoy, but no one else seems to know about it? One of my favorite movies is from 2014, The Signal. It was a nice mix of mystery, horror, and action but it got relatively low scores from audiences and only a 61% on Rotten Tomatoes. But anytime I tell anyone to watch it, they're blown away that they never heard of it. So what weird and obscure stuff do you guys watch or play 
that you don't think gets enough attention? This is a pretty good question. Um, do you have anything that like sparks immediately into mind? Uh, yes. Pocket card jockey. Yeah, I mean, that's a big one for us, for sure. <laughs> that's a big one for us here. Yes. Uh, we both loved that when it came out on the Nintendo 3DS. Yeah. As you mentioned a couple of weeks ago, it's available now for Apple Arcade. Uh, that's one that most people don't know about, but when you say a solitaire and like card yeah. racing. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I've said mine on a different question I think we've had before, but the N64 game Tetris Sphere is my go-to like game nobody played that I loved to death. So that's probably my number one pick. As for movies, that's a little tougher. Um, Pop Star. The Lonely Islands pop star is, I feel like, a movie that got buried over the years that nobody thinks about anymore. It's also it one, one that of I my see favorite pop up comedies. Every now and then on the yes. internet saying, Hey, has anyone watched this movie? I was like, Yes, yeah. we watched it and loved it years ago, but it yes. came out. Saw it in a theater when that thing came out and it's just gotten better. I feel like every time I watch it too, I'm like, Yeah, this holds up. This totally still holds up. Yep. It's like, uh, it's just still just as good and just still such good commentary on like, being a like huge like international pop star and Andy Samberg's just so funny in it. Just everybody's so funny in it. And Tim, oh my God! Speaking of Tim Meadows, <laughs> I will eat your head. Just lives forever in my brain. Just one of the funniest things. And yeah, there's so many great scene. quotable lines. The Queen Bee scene. <laughs> oh my God! It's all so good. It's all just wonderful. I love that movie so much. Uh, but yeah, so that's probably my my pick for movie. Um. In terms of movies, I'd go with the director, um, uh, anime director, Mamoru Hosoda. Oh, okay. Who did uh, one of my favorite Summer Wars. Oh, yes. Uh, last okay. year's okay. Bell. And the Digimon uh, movies, right? Wolf Children, The Girl yeah. Who Left the Time, and the Digimon movies, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, very all, unique art Specifically style. the first one, right? Like, the first one, and then, yes. from what I understand, the later movies are kind of like a remakes of that story in some way. Yes, specifically yeah. the first one, um, our war games. Yes, yes. Uh, but yeah, no, like since then, since then he's done a digital movie about like the internet, and internet culture every ten right. years right. with Summer Wars, and then most recently last year or two years ago now with Bell. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, outside of that, Wolf Children and The Boy and the Beast are two really excellent films about just him and his life and animating and what it means to be like legacy and like how to take over a legacy because he was at one point in line to take over for um miyazaki oh for ghibli wow okay. for ghibli yeah but then miyazaki decided to keep coming back and coming back <laughs> so he kept getting passed over and decided to just form his own studio after that Makes sense yeah but yeah if you want yeah. to see a good metaphor of that the boy and the beast cool wow okay wow we had some really solid answers this week <laughs> yeah, not your typical kingdom hearts answer is it no it's not <laughs> No, everybody knows about Kingdom Hearts. Uh, well, better, yeah, now they do, not in 2002. <laughs> no, I think even then. Anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah, thank you for sending in that question. If you want to send in a question, please email us at mediaboatpodcast at gmail.com. We will read your question just like we just did here on the show. Thanks for joining us. That will officially wrap up this episode for this yep. week. Like I mentioned, we'll be back next week for all sorts of thoughts and news. We will have thoughts about kirby uh return to dreamland we will have thoughts the thoughts about the mandalorian we have yes, thoughts about the weekend concert okay. live megan and m3 thoughts potentially um i 
No, I think we're two weeks away from Poker Face wrapping up, I think. Yes. So wait for that one. But uh, yeah, more television, more everything, more music, everything we've got for you coming down the yep. pike. So more news, more thoughts, and more of us next week. Stay tuned. See you guys next time. Have a good week. Bye. Okay, bye. <laughs>